It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Brad Stevens era begins with a bang. Plus, Kelly Olenek drafted ahead of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I understood it. I got it. I'm going to explain it here on this Wednesday. Locked on Celtics. Millie. Let's go. Rainy days back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it. Got a local feel like the red line. The blue line. The green line. Play it in between time. I'm going to throw my C's jersey on in the meantime. And press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's. It's the best way. Melly. Hey there, John Corrales here, welcoming you back to another Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you, as always, for making this show part of your daily routine. It is the number one ranked Celtics podcast, and it's all because of your support, your rankings, your good reviews, your downloads, even throughout this crazy time. So I really do appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the two-part Rain and Jay's reunion. If you didn't listen to part two, you know, obviously part one was here, part two was on the Anything is Potable feed with Jay and Jam. Really enjoyed talking to those guys. Today, back on the historical grind with Mike Dynan of RedsArmy.com. We're getting into the first season of the Brad Stevens era. Today, the just the, the very beginnings of it, the Jeff Green buzzer beater, the drafting of Kelly Olynyk, and then for... Thursday, Friday, a couple of other discussions with that season. Not a ton to talk about with this season. It was a 25-win season, but we'll talk about it. Uh, Just to get you caught up on things that were going on currently with the Boston Celtics. It's Wednesday, so the the Celtics are going to take Wednesday to travel to Orlando, spend a few days in quarantine. Hopefully everybody tests negative for coronavirus. That's the plan. It's, again, a a quick quarantine for a few days. Uh, Actually, it's like 36 hours. Uh, But it's isolation, complete isolation in your room, a couple of negative tests just to make sure. At this point, everybody who's traveled down to Orlando should be negative. No one who tests positive is going into the bubble. And there's this additional isolation to catch people who may have been positive but didn't test positive yet because it was so early on in their in the progression of the virus. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to be more positive tests. For the record, neither would Adam Silver, and he said as much. We talked about that on the Wednesday Locked on NBA podcast, the usual Wednesday crew, me and Jake Madison of Locked on Pelicans with a special guest, Renee Washington, the new host of the Locked on Wizards podcast. She joins me and Jake in this it's her locked on debut. So you want to check that out. It was a really fun episode. We talked about Bradley Beal not being there and and what that means for the Wizards. Why the Wizards there even in the first place. We talk about the commissioner and the possibility of more positive tests. So the NBA is prepared for this. We know that they're prepared for this. They they are ready. But theoretically, the Celtics and everyone else. We'll get down there over the next couple of days. Everybody will be negative for coronavirus. 
And once everybody's negative, they can start their plan. We heard from Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart on Tuesday. And I think one of the overwhelming themes throughout all of these conversations was the apprehension that players have going into the bubble. There, No one was like really fully on. Well, I shouldn't say no one. Kemba Walker seemed fine with it. But the fully on board gung-ho, that really didn't exist. Uh, I think everyone has trepidation. Everybody has some kind of feeling of, is this really a good idea? And I think everybody acknowledges that not playing is the best idea. Just canceling it and moving on is the best idea. But also, I would hope everybody acknowledges that the players and the the league have both agreed that they're going to try it. And they understand the risks, and they're they're gonna they're gonna do it. They're gonna do it. The players had the option. All of these players have options to not go, and most of them are going. So this is the plan. This is what they're gonna do. But they still had you know trepidation over the plan. But as Jason Tatum put it, uh, if we're going down there, might as well try and win a championship. So. That was uh, the, the conversations. You can read about them on MassLive.com slash Celtics. You can hear Marcus Smart talk about Jason Tatum being on track to be, if not the best player, one of the best players ever. So that was something that he talked about. Again, MassLive.com slash Celtics. Check that out. Check out my column on the kind of parallels between this restart and the 1920s New York Renaissance and the connection between their them playing in ballrooms, which I thought was an interesting connection, something that I thought conjured up some interesting history from basketball. So hope you enjoy that, and please go read that, masslive.com slash Celtics. Okay, let's get to the conversation. Brad Stevens has been hired as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. I am joined by Mike Dinan of redsarmy.com to continue our historical deep dive. 2013-14, Brad Stevens first season as head coach of the Boston Celtics. We've already talked about the trades leading up to this. The Celtics at this point have drafted Kelly Olynyk, moved up in the draft a few spots to get Kelly Olynyk. by the way. They've brought on uh, a couple of guys, uh, Vitor Favarani, uh, Phil Pressey, Fab Mello has been shipped out. So the, the Celtics enter the season with kind of a, a weird roster waiting on Rajon Rondo to return. So no one, Mike, no one came into this with any sort of expectations. In, in going back and looking at some of the predictions, I didn't see anybody picking the Celtics to win more than 30 games. Well, with good reason. Uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody expected anything out of this group. I mean, they um, were in disarray pretty much. And, ready to start rebuilding the fact that it only took about a year to get back into the playoffs uh, was remarkable. And especially when you look at some of the names on the roster that Brad had to work with, and he was a rookie coach coming from college. You don't have a lot of expectation there either, you know, as he feels his way in and uh, gets adjusted to life in the NBA. So, you know, I think we got what we expected, which was 25 and 57. Yeah, that was kind of a gross season. Uh, this is a season, 
you know, I don't want to say people forget because, you know, we, we do remember most of these things, but Chris Humphreys was like, was useful in this season. Uh, <laughs> Damning was faint praise. <laughs> this is the season where, okay, so Jeff Green was the leading scorer for this season. Uh, Jordan Crawford won a player of the week in this season. Jer- <laughs> Jared Sullinger was, was, was decent, but, you know, not, not great. Rondo came back. Uh, this, this, 19 different players on this roster played, um, played at least a few games. So kind of, kind of all over the place. Let, let's start at the beginning. Uh, one of the first things that happens in this, and, and it starts to set the tone for the, one of the perceptions of Brad Stevens. Saturday, November 9th in Miami. This is the seventh game of the season. The Celtics down, uh, down two with a couple seconds left to go on the clock. And Brad Stevens draws up a play, a simple play, nothing crazy, but he ends up getting Jeff Green open in the corner. Jeff Green drills a buzzer beating three from the right corner, right in LeBron's face. Celtics win, beating the two time champions, 111, 110. I remember that. I bet a lot of people remember that distinctly. Uh, it was like you were alluding to the first opportunity we had to see Brad do one of his famous after timeout plays, what became famous at least. Uh, he did draw that up. If, if I remember correctly, and I haven't seen the play for a little while, but I think there was under one second left. And I do know that the pass in was inbounded from near midcourt and it went all the way across to the opposite corner somehow yeah. got through there you're Jeff right Green it caught it and flipped it up there and bang and I, I remember jumping out of my chair and couldn't believe it and poor lebron Dwayne <clears throat> wade had, <laughs> had just um he had blown it because he was at the line right before that and he needed to mit- he wanted to miss on purpose, I think, to run out the clock or something, but he missed everything, missed the rim, and so the clock didn't move. And the Celtics then had uh, a little bit extra, just enough time to get the shot off and win it. You're right about this. It was 0.6 seconds on the clock. That's what it was. Doesn't matter what your experience with cars is, what your comfort level with cars is. You can be a general novice like me or you could be rebuilding a classic car like Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans, or you could be one of these people who understands the new computerized technology and needs things for one of these modern cars. Whatever you want, it's at rockauto.com. You're not limited to what's on the shelves at the local chain auto parts store. You're not limited to whatever they decide the price is going to be based on whatever's happening in the market. When you go to rockauto.com, you're always going to get the lowest prices possible. Doesn't matter if you're a professional mechanic. Doesn't matter if you're a do-it-yourselfer. Doesn't matter if you're a novice like me. Whether you're getting just some motor oil, a carpet, or windshield wipers, or you're getting parts for your engine, things to replace on your car, very advanced things that I don't even know about, but you know about, 
You can get it at rockauto.com. The prices are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. The catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. You can find even obscure things that you didn't think you would find. It doesn't matter. RockAuto.com has it all. They've been in business serving parts customers online for 20 years. It's run by a family. It's really cool. It's really nice. Go to RockAuto.com right now to see all the parts that are available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. It's an amazing selection at reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, the, the one thing, one thing that not only did this set the tone for Brad Stevens out of timeout plays and, and the beginning of the Brad Stevens out of timeout legend, it also was the first of many times where Brad Stevens would turn to Gerald Wallace as the inbounder. Whenever there was a critical inbound play that season, he always had Gerald Wallace making the pass. That I will remember for a yes. while. Yes. He did that several times. Uh, came up with some... He, he went to him because he was great at it. A hidden talent. Um I do remember one time he threw an inbounds pass length to the court that actually went in the basket and didn't yes. count. Uh, <laughs> but I, it was good for the Sports Center top ten, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was actually as you were talking about that, I was like, "Hey, I remember when he did this." I'm glad that you brought it up. Actually, I'm not glad that you brought it up because I wanted to bring it up. He he did um, make a name for himself doing that. Uh, the other one that I can recall off the top of my head, I don't know when it was, but uh, with Jared Solinger, I think it was uh, like three-tenths of a second or something before halftime, and Gerald Wallace threw the inbounds pass from, I believe, midcourt, and Sully just got up there and tipped it, and it went in, and it was, you know, how do they do this kind of thing, but... They managed to pull it off. Brad Stevens had an affinity for Gerald Wallace because, and this was really the end of Gerald Wallace's career. Uh, he had come over as part of the Pearson Garnett trade, mostly because he was 
his salary was necessary to match the, um, to match for the trade. Now, Gerald Wallace was at one point really good. Charlotte Gerald Wallace was awesome. I loved Charlotte Gerald Wallace. Um, even in his time in Portland, he, he was still pretty good, but he was one of those guys that was always going all out, that was always sacrificing himself. And by the time he got to Boston, even at 31, he was the oldest 31 year old I ever remember seeing. <laughs> I mean, he was just a shell of himself. And by the time his Celtics career came to an end, he really wasn't playing much. But Brad Stevens loved Gerald Wallace. I bet you if you ask Brad Stevens, name some of your favorite NBA players, your former guys that you've coached in the NBA, Gerald Wallace would be at, the, at or near the top of the list. Everything you said about Gerald, I felt the same exact way. Uh, I always liked him as when he was on Charlotte, uh, even though he played well against the Celtics. But you had to admire how hard he played. He never let up. And he got to be, he was an all-star one year based on that. I mean, I don't think he was the most talented player, but he just outworked everybody. And, uh, yeah, when he got to Boston, I was hopeful that he could bring some of that, but no, he really had used it all up. He, he, um, I think just gave everything he had at yeah. all times and he, he wore out. You, you got to respect. And, and this is, I, as I'm about to say this and you're talking, I can feel the same feelings that Brad Stevens is feeling because you, you do have to respect someone. Like if you're, so his career ended at 32. It started at 19, you know, so he, he had a long career. Uh, was it 12 seasons, 13 seasons, something like that. So no one plays in the league 13 seasons. I mean, the, the, the average, the odds are that you're going to be out of the league sooner than that. But he was not only was he good, but man, he worked his ass off was one of the a, a great defenders. Uh, one, a, a great defender, a great wing defender, uh, had some strength to defend in the post. Uh, but it's that work. And if, if someone's going to be out of the league by 32 and, you know, I joke about him being the oldest 31 year old and all of that, but when you give everything you have and that's, you know, you leave the league because you've just almost literally given every ounce of what you're capable of giving. It's, that really is where you get the highest respect because, because mm. that hard work, so many guys in the league with more talent don't have that, that work ethic. Uh, and, and you just say, man, if, if some of these players had this kind of passion behind that talent, they could be, you know, all time greats. But so. Yeah, so Gerald Wallace throws that inbounds pass, one of many inbounds passes that he threw for for the Celtics. And and when we're talking about Brad Stevens out of bounds plays, early in that season, uh, it, they almost all it felt like they all seemed to work. Whenever he was in a clutch situation, they all seemed to work, even if they didn't go in, which they often didn't because of the quality of players that they had. There were plenty of times where he drew up a play and the Celtics just missed a shot. And you're like, wow, he, he got them open shots. And, and, and the reason why I described this particular play as simple is because that's how everybody 
when when they were first talking about Brad Stevens out of bounds plays and that became a story. I remember Marcus Smart, who's not on the team at this point, but he was like, I think it was Marcus Smart, saying that Brad was drawing up a play and he's like, this isn't going to work. This is just too, it's too simple. But it was the simplicity of it that kind of made it work. That Brad said, look, this is going to be their tendency. We're just going to do a couple of simple things. Boom, take advantage of their tendency. And that's going to spring you for an open shot. Yeah, you know, I, Pretty sure I remember that Brad um, acknowledged that he takes plays from other coaches. Oh, yeah. uh, he has, he has, he's not claiming to have invented the ATO. And uh, any coach can come up with innovative plays, but the key is to, in the middle of real time in the game, in the heat of the, the game, to come up with the right play for that particular situation. And he's, that's where he's good. He really uh, almost always comes up with the right play. When he doesn't, when somebody doesn't get wide open for a shot, you wonder what the hell happened. Who, mis- <laughs> who messed it up? Who That's didn't right. execute it? That's right. And and very often, I, I remember looking at a lot of these plays. Very often, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, this guy, this guy didn't go fast enough. This guy didn't." So, and I, I distinctly remember having arguments, whether it was on Red's Army or on Twitter where people said, that's what Brad Stevens drew up? And be like, no, actually, Brad Stevens drew up this, and then this guy went and freelanced, and that's what happened. Uh, and that look, that's the NBA. Coaches coaches draw things up. If if something doesn't work last second, it's always going to be the coach's fault. Go, that's, the, that's the best they could come up with? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, Br- Brad Stevens, he said, yeah, guys, why don't you dribble around 10 times and throw a, you know, a contested turnaround fadeaway from 40 feet? Uh but, you know, look, we're talking about a team that was getting meaningful minutes from Jordan Crawford. He started 35 games for, for the Celtics that year. That was never going to be a team that executed particularly well. So. Right. That's true. Um, well, I can, if we can go back to the beginning of the season. Yes. I'll please. give you an example about, uh, lack of execution. That was the, uh, first game at home that they played that season. Uh, I went to that game and I remember what happened uh, at the end of the third quarter. The, um, the, the home opener versus the Bucks. The Bucks happened to uh, have had their uh, draftee with them that night. Some guy, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think you might have heard of him. Um, uh, no, he, doesn't he, ring a bell. He was, he was on the bench for the Bucks. He played a little that night, but Anyway, I was at that game, and I do remember one thing. Vitor Favarani had 12 points, 18 rebounds, and six blocks. And we all thought, hey, the Celtics have found the center. And then he never came close to those numbers again the whole rest of the time. (laughs) So, so no, they didn't find a center. In fact, he played half a season. He tore a knee cartilage, and he didn't play again. Ended up, that was uh, the only season he was with the Celtics. But back to my point about execution. Uh, it was Kelly Olenek's first home game. So Celtics were playing pretty well, and they weren't expected to do much, as we talked about. Uh, but neither was Milwaukee. They weren't that good then. And the Celts were up by 15 right at the end of the third quarter. And... The Bucks had the ball for a last-second heave, and Chris Middleton 
uh, who we didn't know yet was Chris the Killer Middleton. Uh, he tried to heave from the backcourt, and Kelly Olenek fouled him for no reason, no reason right. whatsoever. A rookie mistake, but um, Middleton made all three shots. That was the momentum switched right there, and they opened uh, the fourth quarter, took the lead, closed the game on a 10-0 run, and the Celtics go home unhappy. And uh, that was, you know, it was just one little isolated incident, but uh, and not that Kelly meant to do it, but, you know, he wasn't um, probably thinking too smart there, and he made a big mistake, and it ended up costing him, and that's that kind of thing happened all season. Yeah, no, I remember that play. I remember that play now that you mentioned it. It's funny, like you, I, I had forgotten about that forever, and then all as soon as you bring it up, I can, I can picture it now. It's like, oh man, mm. oh man, Kelly, what are you doing? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. That was Kelly Olynyk's rookie year, and... Again, the Celtics traded up to get Olenek, and now, famously, the Celtics traded up to get Olenek when Giannis was still on the board. But like you said, Giannis, no one knew. No one knew that Giannis was going to be available there. In fact, he was picked, what, 15th, 16th overall? So the... The, uh, let me see, it was 15th, yeah. And, and look, Milwaukee didn't know that he was going to be, uh, that good because no one knew. So I, I just, this is my already fighting that fight when people bring it up because if anybody knew that Giannis was going to be this, then the Cavaliers probably would have taken him or Orlando or Washington. That draft was the Anthony Bennett draft. Anthony Bennett was drafted number one in a draft where Giannis Antetokounmpo existed. That's how little people knew. Now, you can say that Danny Ainge was aware of Giannis and is said to have gone to see Giannis, and and it's not like he didn't know Giannis existed. But he made this decision that at that point, you have Kelly Olynyk, who is a near seven foot uh, center slash forward who could hit threes. And even in his rookie year, he shot 35%. He, he, his career is 37.5%. And this past season, he shot 43% from three. 
the biggest problem with Kelly Olynyk was always that he would pump fake his way into trouble. <laughs> I, Everyone's pet peeve with Kelly was him pump faking a three. Just oh. shoot it, Kelly. Just shoot it. Just shoot it. Like th- there were so many times where he would pump fake and the guy wasn't even close. And then by the time the guy got there, it was like, oh, well, you've lost the opportunity. His in- his instinct was to was to pump fake. But Danny Ainge trying to play the game that we've all seen teams play in the NBA was looking for a stretch big. In 2013-14, he was looking for, with the 13th overall pick, a mid-lottery pick. He was looking for, actually a late lottery pick. Uh, He was looking for a stretch big who could be a guy that helped in the future. And, And after Kelly Olenek was drafted, it's funny, he traded up for Kelly Olenek, but then called him a complimentary player. And I, I think when he, when he, what he saw in Kelly was he's never going to be the guy that scores 30 points a night for us, unless it's game seven against the Washington Wizards. <laughs> but that was, that was the highlight of Kelly's tenure in Boston. No doubt about highlight that. Highlight of his life, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's never yeah. going to be that guy consistently, but what he can be is, a key player whenever he, Danny Ainge, is able to get his his wing players, his dynamic wing players, Olenek was going to be the guy that drew a big out of the paint because of his shooting ability. So I think that was why Ainge traded up. That's why he coveted Kelly Olenek. And the problem is that Kelly could just never be that, that guy consistently enough be good enough at it to to warrant him being paid ultimately what Miami decided to pay for him. But it, in the early sense, I, I saw where Ainge was going. It just became that by the time Kelly Olenek was a free agent, that type of player was so overvalued that he wasn't going to pay for what he saw from Kelly Olenek. But he was hoping that Kelly Olenek would have that value and be worth that value by the time that came around. Yeah, you know, anybody um, who makes a, a big deal now out of this in a way to criticize Ainge, okay, there's some truth to it. Um, Danny might have picked Giannis, but didn't, and didn't look ahead enough to see what he might become. But that has been true about every high schooler or young guy that comes out of the dr- you know, goes directly into the draft, um, as, and especially uh, the uh, players, international players, that maybe you don't have a lot of evidence what they can do. And you have to wonder how are they going to develop. Well, Giannis has developed physically into a monster. But, you know, it would be hard to predict that at the time. Uh, if I recall correctly, even when Kevin Garnett was coming out of um, – high school he wasn't a sure thing nobody considered him a sure thing he didn't get picked first or even fifth i think he was like an eighth pick and uh you know it's just a a question of taking a risk if the celtics had had more than one draft pick that year maybe you know if it had been one of those years where they have five first rounders or something then sure you would take a flyer on Giannis, and then it would have worked out but 
there's always some gems that are hidden in the draft. You know, a guy like Dennis Rodman or Draymond Green, they were second-round picks. Who knew? Right. Uh, somebody had to figure that out, but it was it's never a guarantee. You don't know what's going to happen. Some of the people that were sure things, quote-unquote, get drafted and then turn out to be busts. Uh, it's just an inexact science, like they say. The only guy that ever uh, that I can think of right off that ever came out of high school or came into the league as an 18-year-old, LeBron. Right. He's the only one who ever did it, and everybody knew he was going to be the man. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, Giannis, I'm looking at his Draft Express page. His listed on this Draft Express page at 6'9", 196. Today, <laughs> on, his, on his basketball reference page, he is 6'11", 242. And I can tell you, from watching him, the difference, just up close, the difference from the Draft Express, the the video and, and what we see in the guy that I saw warming up a couple of times this year, it's a different person. It's and it, I will tell you that Jason Tatum's kind of on that same path, by the way. Just yes, uh, the Jason, shirtless photos prove that. J- Jason Tatum, the workout video, which is on the Mass Live YouTube page, Jason Tatum is is packing on some muscle, and the difference between him right now versus him his rookie year is stark. It's it's insane. He's he is bulking up. And in a couple years, when he's like 23, watch out. But this is exactly what Giannis is. Giannis was the skinny kid who grew a couple of inches and put on literally 50 pounds of muscle. That dude is chiseled. And you don't know for sure that this guy is going to do that when he comes into the league. And he's still, he's still working on his jump shot. He's still working on other things that were weaknesses back then, but he didn't have all of this other stuff. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend this entire time litigating this, this trade. Obviously, everybody in the world would take Giannis first in this, in this draft right now. There's no doubt about that. So, but at that time, I saw, I saw what Danny Ainge was going for with, Kelly Olenek and he made the move and it didn't, it didn't work out quite like he had hoped. So we've heard the beginnings of Brad Stevens, the out of timeout genius. Now we get Brad Stevens point guard whisperer when we return for tomorrow's podcast. Jordan Crawford wins player of the week and what a week it was. That and more from the 2013-14 season is coming up tomorrow. So subscribe if you have not. Please, if you have, a good written review and a five-star rating would be amazing. And tell your friends. Tell everybody that they should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Now, tell your smart device to go play the latest episode of Rejecting the Screen. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, 
We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.